because of changing our preaching schedule, and I will be preaching next Sunday instead of Lauren, and then we say to Member Mel as well, he'll be preaching um, in our communion service next Sunday evening. So remember us in prayer. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we come before you. We are grateful that we can worship you, that we can gather as a body of believers in this way. And as we have your word before us, so available to us, we ask you to open our eyes and open our hearts that we may be able to understand what your word is saying, especially Brother Mel as he brings your message today. May you just enable him to speak clearly, and may you give him the words that you would want him to speak, and may you speak to each of us as well. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, greetings in Jesus' name, and welcome to each one that's here. There's several visitors here, and I'm happy to see you here. We certainly invite you to worship with us. My title today, our sermon is entitled, It Is Written. And you will probably recognize that as taken from uh, Jesus' answer or his response to temptation when Satan came before him with several temptations, and I want to look at those this morning. Um, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 3 and 4. I'm going to read the, uh, the end of chapter 3, beginning verse 13, and then on into Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. I'm only going to back up in, the third, in chapter 3 just to get a bit of a setting or a bit of a context here. Uh, we do see quite a, a contrast from the two readings. Well, let's begin reading in uh, Matthew 3, verse 13. <clears throat> then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and to John to be baptized of him. For John, but John forbade him, saying, I am need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Jesus answering, said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then chapter 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. 
Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. <clears throat> I've always been sort of fascinated by this event here, this temptation to Jesus, and certainly have drawn a lot of strength and courage from that as I looked into it and uh, a little deeply into really what was going on and what was actually behind these, these uh, temptations. But let's back up into chapter 3 just for a bit of a context. We see Jesus had just been baptized by John when the heavens opened up and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And I think this was a, a, visible, uh, a visible dove, if you will. And there was also a voice confirming Jesus as being the Son of God in whom I am well pleased. You know, that's, that's just so wonderful to, 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 to see that, that God actually spoke in an audible voice uh, confirming Jesus as his Son. Jesus identified with sinners by being baptized. You know, he know he, John sort of resisted that. He thought, well, why am I baptizing? You should be baptizing me. But Jesus was identifying with sinners by being baptized because he will ultimately bear our sins and his perfect righteousness will then be imputed to us or be ours through him. And I think it's interesting that this is one of several occasions when God spoke on these special occasions. This is one of them. There's a couple others. What's another one that you can think of when God spoke confirming his son? Anyone? John's not here. I miss him. You wouldn't have a chance if he was here. <laughs> That's one. There's another one. Not quite as well known. I had to look it up too, so don't feel bad. Uh, as Jesus approached the cross, and those, it doesn't give us verbatim what God says, but it says some that heard it thought it thundered. Um, but there was, was a voice, it's found John 12, 28 and 29. As he was approaching the cross, John, I think John is the only one who records this. But God spoke these things enough of times to confirm it, you know, without a doubt, that truly Jesus was his son. And I was blessed by that. Um, okay, moving on to chapter four, we have uh, Jesus <clears throat> about, um, you know, he's coming from this public blessing and confirmation by God to the barren wilderness. And I don't know how many people were there, if they were lined up way down the street. I don't know. It doesn't really tell us, but it was a public uh, display of, of his blessing and confirmation by God going from there into the wilderness. And it looks like he was led right from this experience from the baptism into the wilderness. Now sometime during that time he had spent 40 days of fasting, like a month and a half fasting. So uh, that happened in there too. But he was tempted so that all may know that he is the conqueror. And because of this victory over temptation, we too can experience victory over temptation. Hebrews 4 says Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. <clears throat> I also think it's important to us to realize that Jesus faced temptation as a man. 
Yes, he was part of the Trinity. He was God. But he faced temptation as a man. And I believe each of these temptations were real. I don't know if we can quite relate to all of them, like that thing of, of, of jumping off that cliff. I'm not sure if we could relate to that. But I think we'll get into that and I'll, and I'll look into that a little bit deeply. But I think it's important to realize that if these were not real temptations, Satan certainly wouldn't have brought it to him. So I think that's important to realize. These were real temptations to him. And he did not use his divine power to defeat Satan because this is exactly what Satan wanted him to do. Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7 says, Who being in the form of God, this is speaking of Jesus, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a ser servant and was made in the likeness of men. <clears throat> he used the spiritual power that is available to us, the power of the Holy Spirit living within us and the written word of God. Temptation involves the will, and Jesus came to do his Father's will, not his own. So let's take a look at these temptations in beginning in chapter 4, and there's, there's three of them. The first one is, is uh, after he was hungry, fasting for 40 days, he was hungry. I don't know how long any of you have ever gone without food. I didn't even come close to that. But, you know, you get hungry after you miss a meal or two. 40 days. Imagine anything would have looked good. Here comes Satan. He says, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. <coughs> Several things I'd like to look at as we look at this. Okay, Satan was likely suggesting that God doesn't love you. If you are truly his beloved son, why doesn't he feed you? Why are you hungry? Or it might be like this. If you are indeed the son of God, or maybe more like, since you are the son of God. Satan wasn't questioning who Jesus was. He knew that. That was, not a, that was no doubt in his mind. But I think a better definition might be since you are the son of God. Kind of an, a, a feeling of uh, entitlement, if you will. Special privilege. Look, you're the son of God. You created the earth. Why are you hungry? Since you are the son of God. Did Jesus have the power to turn these rocks into groceries? Absolutely. If you can feed thousands of people with a little boy's lunch that he packed for the day, he certainly can turn rocks into groceries. And I'm sure that Satan knew that. Satan was <clears throat> very keenly aware of the power that he had. Or, since you're the son of God, use your divine power to feed yourself. But notice, Jesus came to do the Father's will, not the will of Satan or even his own flesh. <clears throat> but Satan was also suggesting a, a little, a little subtle little suggestion. Suggestion. This is a dire need. Just violate this once. Just feed yourself. You got bigger fish to fry, you might say. This is this is bad. This is you, you're in dire need. You need to eat sooner. You're only going to live. 
Can you see this going on in Satan putting this in Jesus' mind? How often do I allow circumstances rather than God's will to dictate my actions? This is what Satan was presenting to Jesus. You know, if he would have given in to Satan's suggestion, he would have been exercising his power independently of his father's will. <clears throat> but instead, he quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, and that's a long list. I'll just read a part of it where it says, Man doth not, not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And this was taking out of, out of uh, Moses was relating the experience of the younger generation of children of Israel. And uh, this is, he was relating how God uh, fed them through the wilderness. And certainly there were times when they really were craving a certain food. Remember when they wanted meat and God gave it to them until they were sick of it? Um, they were not quite willing to accept God's word. And because of that, they got sick of this meat that God had given them. But as we see, Jesus did not give in to that and instead uh, resisted this temptation with the word of God. It is written. Let's look at the next one found in verses uh, 5 and 6. <clears throat> Again, if... You are the son of God, or since, let's still, that's still the meaning of this one. Since you are the son of God, jump. Just jump off this cliff. You know, I couldn't quite, that was one I couldn't quite relate to, but I think there's a little bit of inside information. I, I forget where I picked this up. The Jews expected Messiah to appear suddenly in the temple. That was one thing that was, that was sort of their expectation. This thing of him being born as a baby in a stable did not fit into their plan at all. They were hoping and expecting that their Messiah would appear suddenly in the temple. Here you go, Jesus. Right here. Take it. That's, that was, I think that was what the reason for Satan presenting this to Jesus. Here's your chance, Jesus. They'll accept you as Messiah from here on out. <clears throat> then the devil taken him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him if thou be or since you are the son of God cast yourself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone okay so here is Satan alright you're going to quote the bible I can, I can play that game and he does. He quotes a verse taken right out of Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, almost verbatim. Almost. He skipped a little phrase. What did he skip? Anyone know? John would know. I'll tell you. He left out that little phrase that says, to keep thee in all thy ways. Jesus would have been veering out of God's ways by doing this. Remember, he was here to do the will of the Father, to keep thee in all thy ways. <clears throat> Jesus responded by saying, it is written again. I like that. It is written again. He goes back to the same strategy, the same uh, tool, the same weapon, if you will. 
It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You know, how, <clears throat> how would have Jesus tempted God by jumping? How was he tempting God? That's what Jesus says. We're not to tempt the Lord our God. Jesus would have tempted God to protect him outside of God's perfect will for Jesus and for his own personal gain or his own personal benefit. We tempt God when we put God in that position. We tempt God when we force him to do our plan that contradicts his own word. Do you remember that little phrase in the Lord's Prayer that says, um, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven? Thy will, God's will be done here as your will is in heaven? Has reference to that. God's will being done in us here on the earth. Uh, I want to turn to 2 Timothy 3.16. There's a familiar verse that I want to read. Speaking of the the, uh, the word of God or scripture as it says here 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17 it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works Jesus said it is written again Again, going back to that same tool or strategy or weapon that he used the last time, very effectively, um, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This would, uh, this would have been violating that if Jesus would have jumped in spite of maybe the Jews would have accepted him as their Messiah, possibly. Who knows? But this was the temptation that Satan presented to Jesus that here's your chance. <clears throat> Jump. The third one. <clears throat> All right, where are you? Okay, again, in, in verse 8. The devil takes him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, there's another if there, and that's not a since or since you are, but it's a condition. There's a condition, there, and there's and that is an entirely different Greek word if you look it up. This is a different word. This is a different meaning to the word if. All these things will I give you if, here's the condition, you fall down and worship me. Satan was offering Jesus a shortcut to the kingdom, maybe a shortcut without suffering. And I'm not quite sure I see entirely through that because I know that uh, God had promised this to Jesus, but Satan was suggesting, maybe if you do this, you won't have to suffer. God had a plan. Jesus was aware of that, but so was Satan. Satan was offering a shortcut without suffering. <clears throat> Satan offered these kingdoms to Jesus if he would fall down and worship him just once. It's not said in this translation, but that's the emphasis of that word. Just once, just this time. That's the meaning of that verb, worship, right there. 
Satan was suggesting that maybe he could just take a shortcut. You know, Satan has always craved worship. And he wanted to be, be like God. Let's turn to Isaiah 14. And we'll see that scene where, <clears throat> where the writer is relating that when Lucifer, as he calls him here, became uh, proud, if you will. Uh, let's start reading in verse 12, Isaiah 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, count the words, I will. How many times are you going to read, I will? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, on and on and on. Wow, that's a mouthful. A lot of I wills, isn't it? That was Satan. He had a, 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 just a craving, a desire for worship in this case here. He was not content where he was and wanted to be like God. And that was his, no, that was his goal. And that's what ended up. He got thrown out of heaven after all of that. You know, worshiping <clears throat> the creature instead of the creature is a lie that rules our world today. Um, Satan, you remember, is a created being. God created him. He was an angel, part of God's creation, just like you and I were. No, I mean, not the same time, a different day. Satan is a created being. And so we have, uh, following onto that theme, Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I, I want to invite your attention to that. Speaking of this lie that rules the world, Romans chapter 1, we have this scene here that's sort of a dark and depressing scene. A steady downhill decline. And I was going to start reading, let's start reading in verse 21 to the end of 25. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, notice carefully the gradual downward and eventually spiral downwards into sin. Uh, middle verse 21. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. There you have it. And worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That is the lie that is ruling our world today. And uh, Jesus again responded, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. And that's also part of a, <coughs> a, a long verse. I just quoted that part. You know, notice Satan said nothing about service. Jesus brought this out. Jesus knew that whatever we worship, we will serve. 
Worship and service go together. It's interesting that Jesus pointed that out. I'm sure Satan very subtly, deliberately left that out, but Jesus brought it out. Those, the whatever you worship, you will serve. And then we see here the um, in, in verse 11, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And I read another translation, and it brought out the fact that angels fed him. And I thought that was interesting, <clears throat> because in their setting, a wilderness was an uninhabited, barren land. Not so much, you know, sand and desert, but just nothing, no resources, no grocery stores, nothing, nothing to buy. So I thought that's interesting. The angels came and served him, ministered to him, or served him. Now, as we look at these temptations, I'd like to bring that to our day today. And if you'll notice, these temptations correspond very well with a couple of verses we have in 1 John 2. Turn with me to that, 1 John 2, verse 15. And these are familiar verses that we probably all know. Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. <clears throat> Keep your finger there and turn with me back to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look at the account where Satan tempted Eve and where they fell. Notice what he presented to Eve in the temptation. Oh, okay, Genesis 3, let's start in verse 4. He came to them in the garden, and he questioned them about their uh, liberties or the privileges they were allowed to do. And uh, Eve told him where they were supposed to go, what they were to eat not to eat. And uh, the consequences was death if they violated these instructions. And then here comes Satan in verse 4, and he said, Serpents, and the serpent said unto the women, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, you shall, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit, did eat, gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Did you pick up on it? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life in that, in that, uh, in that temptation right there, or that, yeah, that lie, that promise that that Satan made to her, or that she that she noticed, she saw that it was good for food, <coughs> satisfying your physical needs. It was pleasant to the eyes. It looked good. It was appealing. It was attractive. And somehow she thought it would make her wise because Satan told her, you'll be like a god. You'll know good and evil. See that connection? <clears throat> and I, I, I thought it's interesting that, and I didn't do a deep dive study into this, but it seems like most of the temptations that come to us as human beings 
often fit into one of these, those three categories. Uh, maybe the, the, the root of that. And uh, I thought that's, that's interesting. There was, this, this was good, it was good food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and it would make her wise. You know, how did, how would this make her or make them as gods knowing good and evil? And I think, again, that brings us up to the world in which we live today, even our churches. You know, if you decide you can be a god and you're going to draw the line here and that's where I'm going to draw the line, you're placing yourself in a position of God. If the line, the, the line in scripture is wherever it is and you decide it's up here, you're making yourself as a god, deciding for yourself what is good and evil. And that's what Satan was telling Eve, and that's what they did. They decided that, well, we can be like a god here. We're going to go cross the line over to here. And uh, I, I thought that's interesting when you look at the temptations of Jesus, turning back to Matthew There's the personal gain. You will not die, or, or you, you, you'll be like God in Genesis, Genesis 3. Uh, and then it's uh, when, when, he brought, when he took Jesus up to the mountain and invited him to jump, you won't get hurt. And uh, again, referring to the lust of the flesh. I'm sorry, I did that wrong. And then if you go back to the, uh, the one in, in, in Genesis 3 where it says you will be like God, he presented to Jesus, you'll have all the world's kingdoms, the pride of life. And I thought it's interesting as, as I looked into that and realized that these temptations that Satan brought before Jesus, as I said, I, I truly believe they were real temptations to Jesus, something that he had to struggle to overcome. Otherwise, I don't think Satan would have brought them before Jesus. But Jesus, again, I think he faced these temptations as a man. But he overcame, resisted this with the same uh, tools, the same power that we have, the Holy Spirit living within us, and the written word. And even though Satan tried <coughs> also using the written word in his case, Jesus came back with a stronger case. And I was blessed as I, as I um, studied this account and realized that, yes, Jesus certainly did um, come through victorious. And because of that, I'm grateful that we also can be victorious. Let's stand for a uh, dismissal prayer, and then I'll ask Chad to lead us in a song. Shall we stand? Lord, we thank you for these truths in your word. Thank you that it is written. It is written and preserved for us today. It is written because your Holy Spirit moved holy men of God, and they wrote as you spoke to them. And thank you for that. Thank you that Jesus is our example in this. <clears throat> He was willing to, bat, be, to be baptized, to identify with sinners, and through that we too can have 
forgiveness and his righteousness is imputed to us. We can now be righteous through him. Thank you, Father, for um, the power that you have given us, the, the, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Also, a very effective, powerful tool and a weapon to use against Satan. Thank you, too, Lord, that you certainly sent Jesus as your son. He was blessed and confirmed several times in an audible, with an audible voice. Many witnesses around heard that, and we thank you, too, for that. And so we pray your continued blessing on us as we go from here now. May we go forth with the same power, using the same power of the Holy Spirit, the same written word that Jesus used, that we would be able to resist the temptations that Satan comes before us. Father, we want to acknowledge you as uh, God and creator. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you have given us your spirit to dwell with us. We pray your blessing as we dismiss from here. May we go forth uh, proclaiming your power in our lives. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.